Hello, and welcome to the Sensi Lab Creative AI Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. My name's John McCormick, I'm the Director of Sensi Lab, and joining me at the remote console today, physicist, PhD researcher, and AI artist, Nina Radzic. Hey, Nina, how are you? Hey, John, I'm good. How are you? We're still in lockdown here in Melbourne at the moment, so we're, we're still having to socially distance. Mm-hmm. All uh, Zoom. And Zoom, and, and talk over Zoom. But yep. the advantage of that is that we're really lucky today to have all the way from the Northern Hemisphere another special guest interview, AI artist or robotic artist, Patrick Trissette. Patrick, welcome. Oh, thank you, John. And hi, Nina. Hello. Yeah, it's nice to be across the world. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And I guess we're going to talk a lot about your work and maybe your opinions on artificial intelligence and art and the work that, that you do. But I thought I'd start off with just a, a pretty simple question. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this field originally, because you originally started in, in painting, right? You, you, didn't, you didn't start making robots from the beginning. You were a traditional painting artist, right? Yeah, I tried to be a traditional artist, a painter, but it's quite complicated and tiring to be a painter. But no, I, at first, actually, I studied computing when I was very young and also for the baccalaureate. I did the baccalaureate and I started to study. Uh, it was business computing, so it was not at all what I wanted to do. And then I became a, I decided to become a painter, moved to London and all that. And after 13, 14 years of painting, I lost my way with painting. But in the meantime, computers had evolved a lot. Uh, the internet appeared. So I got back to using, I had the intuition that I could do something uh, with computers. And then I looked at the work of the algorithm and things like that. And I started to use uh, so Linux quite early. And I found it amazing that there were all those software from research lab around the world and it was possible to use that and, and also i started to use python quite early on mm. in the earlier version so what about what about robots why why robots why not just software uh, what drew you to robotics so um, the focus of my work is on drawing because that was one of the reasons why i got into using I mean, there are, there are different reasons why I went into uh, computational art or whatever uh, you want to call it. Is uh, As a painter, I lost my way and I lost my ability to do spontaneous uh, things. And I was really interested in doing extremely spontaneous drawings. And I couldn't anymore. And anyway, as a human being, it's not possible to do totally spontaneous drawings because your brain at some point realizes what it's doing or, uh, and, and you, lost, uh, you lose your spontaneity. But there, there were other elements. And the idea was that using computers, it is extremely spontaneous because during the execution, you are not there. So you can't influence the, the, during the execution. So you can have the, the, the drawing, which is a kind of reflex on the, and so my focus was really uh, on drawing. And so I first did my master at Goldsmith, and then I worked really on a simulated system, but it was not really satisfying. And then I got the funding to do a PhD and to do this research work with uh, Frédéric Lemarie. And then it, it was natural in a certain way to use a robot to do drawing because a drawing is really a pen or a tool going on paper. And, and it really needs to be over time like that. And one of the ideas is that when you look at a drawing, 
you recover like that the, the memory of the intention or the action of the artist and it's why it works, uh, it works. especially for gestural drawings like the one i'm interested in and you can't do gestural simulated gestures or otherwise it's very complicated and it's easier to use a word, robotic cam and you using robot is also complicated but that's part of the, of the interesting so did you straight away start with robotics and pen to paper drawings rather than anything with software? No, no. I started first for a couple of years, I mean, more than that, for right. four or five years with uh, with software. But I started actually with pen plotters. Yeah. Uh, that was initial, my initial work was with pen plotters before I joined Goldsmith. And then I, I switched to totally simulated work for a couple of years. And then when I started the PhD, I bought some robotic components and then I started to, I mean, I did a few failed prototypes first. Um, so I guess that sort of leads us on to the next, next aspect of your work, which is that it is kind of highly performative. So um, for anyone who hasn't experienced Patrick's work in uh, physically, it consists often of many um, robotic arms sitting on desks or other devices, and each one has a, a kind of very particular personality usually. And there's this very uncanny kind of interplay between the robotic nature and the performative nature of the work and the fact that they're not actually behaving in the way that you would expect robots to behave. They're actually behaving like the way that humans would behave. So how did you get to that point? Was it fairly natural because you were looking at, you know, the, the whole aspect of the performative aspect of drawing or is that something that you came to gradually? I, it's after exhibiting the robot the first time. It was at the Kinetic Art Fair in London. It was this big art fair with things, art that move. I mean, Kinetic Art Fair. And uh, I exhibited the robot and it was not really finished. Actually, on the opening day, it was not working at all. I was in my bed <laughs> under my duvet, hiding, and then yeah, I woke up in the morning. I got into yeah. work. When it started to, because that's the problem. I mean, very often my installations don't work on the first day. I was thinking <laughs> about that. Yes. I have this kind of typical failure, and then uh, progressively they start to work. I should start to do it like a theater, you know, where you have the preview. <laughs> like, uh, I should really start like that, like, like that. People don't expect things to work. Yeah. As long as they're, they're working on the second day, that's that's usually good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. they work. And when they work, they work very bad. No, but anyway, when I when I exhibited that for the first time, I, I really got shocked by the the reaction of the audience mm -hmm. with the robot, and uh, I realized that there was really a space to explore because people really. I mean, it's like puppetry. People react in the same way as if they see puppet with. And mm. because they believe that they're autonomous, there is this added uh, strangeness to it. And uh, there are those, you know, expressions in the face that are, actually, it's, it's funny because the facial expression of the observer are the same all over the world. So it's kind of, there are five, six different expressions when people look at the, at the work. It's very interesting. But so, so it came, but it came very quickly after the first exhibition. Uh, uh, and for me, it's, it's, it's really, it's very interesting, but yes, it is, it, it is theatrical. Mm. Uh, I mean, theatrical. And then, but there is still extremely importantly the, the research into drawing. The, the, the problem is that the theatrical side hides the drawings in a certain way. 
I mean, except mm. for people who are interested in drawings, but it's kind of because it attracts so much attention. To show really the drawings, they're always exhibited, but it's more mass of drawings. So it, the, the attention is diluted. If someone attends one of your exhibitions, you do often display those drawings there. And then if you want to spend time, you can look at the individual because you kind of get two perspectives, right? You get the perspective of the participant who was whose portrait was drawn, for example, but you also get individual characteristics of each robot. It's each robot has a kind of distinct personality, right? They don't all draw exactly the same the same way. Yeah, yeah, they are perceived as uh, having a personality. Yeah. And it's it's generally just I mean the main one is just the nervousness of the movement. And so that if you have nervous movement you can see it in the drawing. Mm. So one is always a bit mad and does you know fast <laughs> movement. And you look at the drawing and you think, oh that's a bit mad. <laughs> and, you know, there is, it's what is interesting with drawing is that there is this transfer because it's so direct, the drawing. I mean, even for human drawing, there is the same thing where it's, because it's so direct. It's, you know, it's without any dilution. It's mm-hmm. not like paint where you have a lot of artifice. So where does the inspiration for that come from? Is it were you a nervous drawer or did you, you know, when you were at art school, did you see other people nervously? Yeah, like, I draw like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but it's true. <laughs> I really like like drawings that are very rough. So is it, is it, I, it's, it's kind of autobiographical. I do also do uh, very subtle drawings. I mean, I used to do very uh, very aesthetic drawings, but I really like. The, it's also because it, I was looking for this extreme spontaneity and the kind of. Uh, I used to do drawings where you would see really a face appear like that very quickly. Like you mm-hmm. just have movement of the end like that, and without realizing you have the, the face emerging. Yeah, I actually do really similar drawings. I don't know what it is about. Like the only thing I've ever drawn or painted ha- has been portraits. Was that what you found when you were doing painting? It was mainly just portraits and people. Did you? Yeah, I'm fascinated by the face and by yeah. por- not really portraits because portraits are a lot of other connotation, but really the representation of the of the human in a certain way as a, a bit like as an animal. I mean, without the social aspect. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I actually do that. I love drawings like that as well, which is a weird coincidence. That kind of just like scribbly, but then it becomes a phase. I've done so many drawings like that. When I was a kid, I mean, when I was a teenager, I, would, I mean, it's going to sound sad, but it's not very sad. <laughs> it's not as sad as it sounds. But I was doing drawings too. Like that, I would have this presence would keep, which would keep me company. No, no, I mean, it does sound like that. No, 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 no. I mean, I should give the context. Actually, it was a bit later. Is that as a painter, you know, you do stupid jobs to earn money. And one of them was to do surveys on the phone. And there's nothing more boring than that. <laughs> you piss people off or you steal their time but so you're on your own with the phone so you can just do and that was the idea I was doing faces and I had some company like that so kind of almost like doodling <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah love that on your website you, the way you describe your work is that you explore human traits and aspects of human experience so is that how you, you want people to respond to actually reflect not so much about the robotic nature of the work but more about the way that people behave or is yeah that's new uh, new text uh, that i've put up i think a couple of weeks ago yeah, well, we, we did our homework we looked and at your I've website tried, <laughs> i've tried i've tried to move down the robotic and technological thing yeah because it's true for me my work has nothing to do with uh, with robotic or technology I, I'm totally mm. deluded. Like I would love people to forget that there is technology. No, no, of course, I'm going to challenge you on that. I, I, I really, I think you are using robots. So, 
I don't think you can escape yeah, that fact. You can't say no, it's no. not about the robots. I appreciate the idea that there's more to it than it's just, it's not a technological um, contribution. contribution. Like that's not no, the, beyond the, the, subject, the subject of my work is not technology. No. It's really the human. Well, uh, yeah. the subject human. still it's is technology. So even the robots are a representation of the human. Yeah. I, I still think the fact that you are using, because you could use performers, for example. You could hire a whole lot of people and... Yeah, but they have to, to deal with people. You yeah, know? I know, it's <laughs> more expensive and, uh, you know, they have to take coffee breaks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I do think the robotic aspect is something that is that is very unique about your work. And I, I, I certainly appreciate that it's not the only thing about it or it's not the main contribution artistically that you're making. But I, I think mm-hmm. to just say the robots don't don't matter is is, is kind of yeah, dismissing no, of all course, the fantastic work that you've done. Yeah, yeah, of course it yeah. matters. It's just from my point of view, or the way I, no, it's not true. Of course it matters. I spend most of my time building robots and programming. So obviously it doesn't important. <laughs> so you just mentally but, blanking uh, it out. No, no, but it's more in, in the subject matter and things like that. I mean, of course, I'm not, I'm not responsible for how people perceive and what people think about the work. Uh, people are free to think what they want. Mm. But it's true that, uh, the subject is really uh, humanness. Uh, mm. I mean, I get what you're saying. I feel like I have a, a similar kind of feeling. Like I just, I like to use technology as the tool to then reveal something further about humans. It's really, I don't really see too much interest in focusing on the actual technology. Like it's kind of just mm. a way to get there or just like a new tool that maybe somebody hasn't used it in this way before. That's what I love about it. But it's really bore, like it's just really about understanding the way for me, like human psychology and things like that work and trying to reveal something there. For you, maybe it's a little bit different. You know? No, it's, uh, because there is the portrait thing is really my bestseller. I mean, <laughs> it has financed my life for the past 10 years. <laughs> That's Which is great. I mean, yeah. I don't need to look for, the, I mean, uh, obviously it's going to change with the crisis that's coming. Mm. or with the depression that is coming. So, no, and, and the other installation, so there is a series of uh, six installations, uh, human study from number one to number six, and each one is really that. So the number two is a series of still life of vanitas, so that is really about human beings. Uh, the number three is one that uh, counts, you know, like when you're in jail, you do those tally marks, <laughs> and then it raises, and then sometimes it gets mad and does a scribble. And the scribble is very important in my work. Mm. But uh, then it raises. But I mean, there is a series of installations that really I use the medium to uh, to explore some things that have been explored, you know, throughout art history in a certain way. But always the subject matter uh, is, is humanness. I, I would love to do series, you know, series about the the capital scenes, things like that, mm. very mm. traditional. Seen some of your recent work, you've kind of moved to not just human portraits, but still life. So you've you've, you've taken some very kind of iconic elements like the bird and the skull, and, which, are, yeah. which are kind of art tropes that, you know, that date back centuries and and started to, to use them in your work too, which I think is a really interesting direction. It's sort of downplaying the performative aspect a little bit because you've no longer got a human subject. Well, it's, it's more self-contained uh, mm-hmm. performance. Uh, it's still performative because mm-hmm. it is seen as a performance, but it's only the robots being with the performer. And in a certain way, it's easier to manage for museums because like that, they don't have to manage human beings. 
which is always a bit complicated. Mm. Uh, no, and it's interesting. I like that uh, removing the human. Um, it's also interesting to have it like that. But I think you've seen the one I, I exhibited at Ars Electronica. Yes. Where there, it's totally uh, self-contained. Nothing even about subject. So it's not even about drawing. And uh, I, I, I have few installations in the pipeline like that, where okay. it's really like more. It's not storytelling, but yeah, it's a very simple story with a kind of message, not message. Yeah, just so for people listening, can you just quickly describe that work? It's it's like a schoolroom. Right? Yeah, so yeah. so it's based on a classroom. So it's set as a classroom where there is a desk, the school desk, vintage school desk aligned in the same way. And uh, the original uh, work, which was sponsored by uh, Tate Modern, there were 20 robots. But then uh, I, the one I, I showed, I uh, exhibited at Ars Electronica, only had nine, I mean, 10 robots with a teacher. And actually, it doesn't add anything to, to have 20. Well, it kind of adds something, but it works very well with nine. Uh, so it's, it's set like a lesson. So at first, there is a the register, so you have the teacher, because there they speak. So they speak in distorted Morse, Morse code. And so you have the register where the teacher calls the, the students one by one and they answer and things like that. Sometimes he has to repeat. And then it's a lesson and they learn to do tally marks. So they first learn to do uh, the straight line, vertical straight line. Then they learn diagonals and then they do tally marks, the full tally marks. And at some point during the tally mark, they, they do some scribble, very nervous scribble in the middle for one minute or two. And then they start the tally marks again. It's very sad, actually. But I, I, I seem to recall there's a, there's, a, there's a point in there where there's a couple of, it's like the naughty kids at the back who are supposed yeah. to be drawing the, the tally marks and they start just scribbling. And then I think all the others... Oh, they all scribble. Yeah, yeah. they all eventually do. But, it, but it, when I, I'm sure when I was there, I... Maybe I'm just projecting this, but yeah. it was a couple at the back who started first, and I just take yeah, me back yeah, to when yeah, I was yeah. at school. It was always the naughty yeah, yeah, kids at the back. Girl. Yeah, it was more. It was more obvious when there were twenty robots. Mm. But what is amazing is that when they do the scribbles, the sound that it makes. I mean, even yeah. with knives, you have the sound of the pen on paper doing the scribbles. It's, yeah. I really, like, I'm very happy with this piece actually. Yeah, and no, I think it's fantastic. And I think one of the things that I, I love about it is that it's kind of humorous, but it's very serious at the same time. It has that kind of beautiful balance between being slightly comical, but also being very poignant, which is extremely, you know, extremely hard to do. So I think you, you've done this kind of amazing job of balancing the playfulness and the performative thing that's kind of, you know, there's moments of laughter, but there's also moments where you're really thinking what, you know, this is, are these, this is like an alien, it's like watching an alien classroom or a, or a classroom that's filled with machines learning. And so that raises all these other interesting questions for me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, I really try to achieve that, this balance between, uh, you know, something slightly funny but very serious and also, yeah, this, this kind of mixture. I mean, they, I always say that some of my inspirations are Jacques Tati or, you know, not Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton and uh, all this kind of thing. Or most, uh, and this kind of atmosphere, I really like, and actually I didn't manage to do it, but normally the full version, there should be a song at the end. Oh, right. Like the robots <laughs> really? kind of dancing, but I never managed to, to finish it. Because it all, only that would take me six months to get it right, you know, because... <laughs> question of timing and thing because it's it, 
it is totally scripted the classroom there is absolutely yeah. no autonomy and uh, so it, it is really like puppetry uh, mm. and i really like that the fact that it's it's fake i mean it's not fake it's theater it's art so it, it's true <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 illusion. It's, it's totally theater. But I'm very I'm, I, I am very happy with uh, with this kind of work. But it's quite heavy to, to do and uh, and mm. to show, so to exhibit. Right. So I saw that you did like uh, some kind of socially distanced version of oh, the, yeah. kind of the portrait drawing or the people like online. Was it just like a, a screen of them like live streamed? Is that how it worked? Yeah. So it was through Zoom. It was not my right. choice. So it was this festival, National Art Festival in uh, South Africa. So it was a, a, a virtual festival, but it, it's a very important uh, festival in South Africa. So not having it in the flesh was a, a big deal there. And they managed to do something amazing in a, in a short time. So they called me and they said, oh, I mean, they asked me if I could do something. And I said, oh, yeah, of course, I can do something. And so, yeah, there, there is a screen. So there I have the version of Human Study Number One with three robots and there is a seat and above the seat there's just a screen uh, suspended in portrait uh, thing and then the, so there, it works again by appointment like the traditional one and the person is zoomed in the installation so during the performance the person you can see the person move right. so, actually i'm very happy because it works also, as an installation, I didn't know, but in my studio, it really, I, I walked around and it really <laughs> looked, it worked as an installation. Uh, and then, so, mm. the, and the process is, uh, there is um, a stream generated, like a video artwork generated in real time and streamed on tweet during the, the, the performance uh, live like that. So that shows... Yeah a view of the three robots drawing and then the view from the robot's perspective. So because I have a camera, so you can see the robot looking at the paper and looking at the at the person or at the, at the screen there. And you can see some internal processes of computer vision thing and some numbers going down, okay, scrolling yeah. down. And so the, yeah. the, the, and the, the, the thing which was interesting is that the the festival also showed this stream to the person being part of the performance. So they saw this stream while they were being drawn. So they had this spectacle in front of them. And me, I could see them looking at the stream. <laughs> wow, and it was complicated. Because I could see them. It didn't work with everybody because it, yeah, but I could see in their eyes when it works. You know, when the installation works, you have this right. thing where the person is, you, you get the person, and that is beautiful. I really like that. I mean, I really feed on that, the, on how people react to the work. And what I didn't know is that they were in full lockdown. So that was two or three months that they were in two lockdown. So for <laughs> them, the meaning of being in a performance somewhere else was totally uh, was very special. So we did, okay. uh, so we were supposed to do like, I can't remember, uh, 40 performances. And in the end, we did a, a non performances. So it was quite mm. hard work. So do you feel like that's actually like, because I've obviously you do a lot of performance stuff where people have to be there. Do you think that's like a nice substitute now that, you know, people can't travel as much or we can't really be in person? But I think it worked. I mean, it worked. Uh, I didn't want, I wanted it to be an artwork. So not a representation of a network or not a, 
you know, not just the stream yeah. with the canvas looking. It's why I did a uh, I tried to do video artwork of the installation. I didn't manage to get the sound working as I wanted, but otherwise the stream part, yeah, it was like a video work. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise just a capture of an installation or something. It needs to be different. It needs to be seen as a separate artwork. Yeah. Uh, online. That uh, makes otherwise, sense. Just a bit boring. I mean, there are so many things online. It, uh, it needs to be designed to, to work as a performance online. Yeah, that's definitely a good point, having a stand like on its own rather than just kind of being like, just represented online or just you know transferred to be in the online space. It doesn't really achieve the same. But, yeah, no, I, I, that seems great. And now I've done a masked version also. Oh, <laughs> wearing masks. I'm really branching out, you know. I'm, a, I'm really a business, so I have to adapt to the things. So there are two exhibitions in the States where they have to wear masks. So yeah. I'm just setting them up. And the problem is that face detectors don't work with the masks. So That's, I I've discovered that. We, we all have to wear masks. It's mandatory for us to wear masks from tomorrow. Is it tomorrow mm -hmm. or Thursday? And, Thursday. Um, if you've got a phone with a facial detection, it doesn't work with a mask on. So every time you're trying to pay contactless, you have to pull your oh. mask down. <laughs> and then there's a whole lot of technology that's going to have to be changed oh. because people are wearing masks. Yeah, so. all, the I love the it. all the surveillance thing. It's like all it's the surveillance good. is not working anymore. The face It's perfect. It's yeah. almost like too good to be true. All of a sudden we can just be anonymous in public. Exactly. Yeah. It's perfect timing. Yeah. I think it's great. I mean, it is strange because your, your your communication with people is changing because you just have the eyes. Mm. In the same way, the eyes express more than the face. Mm. You know, mm. it's, it's more difficult to hide your emotion or to pretend something if you just see the eyes. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some meetings. I was at um, in a fashion company and, um, and you could see. At some point, they were talking about business and you could see the fear in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Everyone's got to sort of attune emotionally to reading people's eyes rather than the yeah. other facial expressions that are covered. I've, I have noticed that just going out and seeing people because you're kind of smiling under the mask, but they don't yeah. know that. So they have to just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I see. I felt like I, cause was, I felt kind of safe being like, oh, my face is hidden in a way, but I didn't even think about that. Like it's almost like you can notice more because all of a sudden you're just fully drawn to the... And the eyes do give so much away. I know that with my work, there is it's uh, the problem. It's so easy to fool people, mm -hmm. yeah. and and one of the problem with um, installations using technology is a, a big, a large part of I mean, a part of the audience, not all the audience, believe in what they're seeing, and I think that stops them from seeing the work as artwork. Because when you go to the theater or to, you go to the movie, when during the duration of the thing, you think it's true. So it works, you know, this suspension. But when you come out of it, you know that you've seen an artwork, you've seen, you've seen a show. And I think that for a, a part of the audience in, in technological art, there is not this switch from Looking at something that is not real and something that is real, there is, there, I think there is, there is. Uh, that's why one of the problems with technological art is uh, it's still seen as magic world, in some way, which mm. we play with, and it's, it's a balance between the two. 
And it raises some interesting questions for me. One is kind of about, as you mentioned, if you go to the movies, you're quite happy to have your belief suspended. So you, you know the people are just acting and it's not real or the special effects and that kind of thing. But I wonder if it's really the same context in an, in an artwork, if there's some there's a greater responsibility to truth in a way. I don't know how you feel about that. No? Okay. You're shaking his head. <laughs> I feel like I feel bad when people completely like are misled by something. Like I feel like I have to try and be at least a bit It's not really being misled because it's not making a claim. It's you're interpreting it. So there's yeah. no, in Patrick, we're speaking for you, Patrick, but you can jump in here. There's no claim made about what it is it's just that you approach it with this preconceived notion because it's a robot and it's looking at you and it's drawing that it must have human-like intelligence or at least some kind of intelligence and because the drawings are you know there's a nervousness to them there's there's these kinds of human-like characteristics that you automatically interpret that as being well this is some kind of artificial robot that has a nervous disposition and it must feel like i feel for example but of course that's not not the case um, yeah, it's not just, that it's yeah, a right. lie, it's just because you're not lying about anything. It's just that people are interpreting it that way. So. Okay, yeah, but... And I'm, I'm not that... No, no, it's, it's art, you know. Yes. <laughs> no, no, but you don't expect a, a still life to be made of apple and pots. No. You know. No. I mean, it's, the idea of techno-realism, I, I can't... I, I don't see why. I mean, yes, why not? But it should not be the rule. The rule should be the opposite. Yeah, yeah. it's art. It's art. You should not be. It's what I said that for me, technology has no importance. Mm. <laughs> and it's often fake. The still life. It's based on photos. Yeah. yeah. No, no, but they, it's not even live. They don't even take the, the input from the still life. Yeah. I prepare the pictures before to be sure to have interesting drawings. Oh, there is a part of things that are true. They're really drawing. It's not recorded and things like that. But after, I have the freedom of things. After the fact that people believe that they are, when they, when they are watching, if they believe that they are artists or that they have this autonomy, then it's great. It means that my work is properly done. But it's what I meant that That's- when they go away, they should be aware that it's, that it's art. You know, it's a different kind of truth. The, thing is that the, the artwork is more interesting. It enables me to do things that are more precise. You know, that we say that are a bit funny, that things like that, that are far more precise in the intention. It is still like that art. I mean, it depends on different things. I mean, mm. Actually, interesting point. I feel like it's so related to my work because I feel, I almost feel bad when people come in and use it and they kind of get an impression of technology that it's a lot more advanced or aware or creative or like recording a lot of more things than it actually is and I kind of feel like they walk away from that experience kind of having this wrong impression of like AI which also fuels that whole kind of like doomsday AI thinking as well when like the general public is just thinking that it's around the corner and not that I'm like against that but part of me is like I don't really want people to think that this is this AI system I'm using is like incredibly intelligent but now you're saying that I kind of like that perspective of just being like it is just uh i think a lot of people who have used my stuff haven't come into it with that context and that probably would help a lot with the way yeah, they yeah. perceive it mm. it's why also i present it i mean uh, and more and more i have shows in museums or things like mm. that where 
it is really in this context, so it is clear that those are artworks, but still there are people who believe that it's true. But I mean, it's, it's written in my text that it is theatrical. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not faking it, and also the way I present it, it's presented as a as a performance and things mm -hmm. like that. But, and also, I'm in interviews and things like that. I'm I'm, I'm honest about it. I don't lie or I don't pretend. But it's true that a lot of people. Some people think that it's true. Like years ago, I can't remember. There was a survey done by a, some psychologists specialized in the perception of art, and 43% of people. Of the observer thought that the robots were creative, so obviously <laughs> it was a problem. I mean, you yeah, know, I thought it'd be more than that. Right. I think. Only forty-three percent. Hmm? Well, it's a lot. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, creative. Yeah, I do have a yeah. great uh, story which I've told Nina in the past about when I think we were in was it Argentina when we had an exhibition yeah, yeah. together, and there was a young woman sitting down. She was like fourteen or fifteen. And she was sitting down getting a portrait taken by your robots. And every time any robot looked up, she would put this massive grin on her face, like she was smiling because she thought that the robot was, was drawing her. Yes. And then every time they'd look down at the, the drawing, she'd relax and just go, oh, that was great. And I remember standing talking to you and, and saying, oh, this is torture. Why don't you tell her that she doesn't need to keep smiling? And you were like, no, 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 she, she needs to keep yeah. smiling. And so by, after 30 good. minutes, her, her jaw must have been... In agony from, from that's all this ten years um, that people sit. It's it's a performance. I mean, first the installation is far more beautiful and works be, because the person is still, mm. and the experience people have because the things are observed and they are observed in a certain way. It is. I I frame it always as a performance. It's not only. I mean, the portrait. Yeah, it is there. Obviously, it's important. It's the it's only one side. The performance and the experience of being drawn by those things mm. is important. If the person knows, they get bored because it's 20 minutes. Maybe in Argentina it was 30 minutes. It used to be 40 minutes. So if you're just <laughs> sitting there, long. you know. And the, and, and the experience of being drawn for people who really play the game or don't know, because some people know, but they still play the game. They, they play their, their part as performers because they are performers in, in the installation. The experience is far more interesting. Yeah, I mean, too, I, I often pose for my own. I put myself in a stage where I'm a performer, mm. and it's far more interesting than just being sitting there with no purpose. Yeah, having all those cameras looking at you. We have got a couple of questions that Simon and his partner Blanca left for us because uh, I think Blank is curating an exhibition soon that you and Simon are going to be in. So this is a question from Blanka. So in your installations, you play with people's understanding of what machines can and can't do. Have audience perceptions changed in this respect over the years? So I think she's asking how, how do people approach the work? Is it different since you first started or is it, is it the same? No, it's the same. And all over the world is the same. It's just the, the intensity of the expression of the emotion changes. Like in Mexico, it's amazing because people come hugging. No, no. And even, it's what I was saying, even the facial expressions of people hasn't changed. But it's because I play on this thing. When I say the technology is not important, the, the technology hasn't changed for, for 10 years and things like that. And it's still, I can see it on people's faces. It is still perceived as fresh. There is still this newness to it or this freshness um, uh, so it has, it hasn't changed, but I think it's. So what what are these expressions? I'm curious as to what this sort of universal. There is this one. 
Okay. Can you see? <laughs> yeah, we can, we can <laughs> yeah. see it, but everyone listening is is kind of puzzled. And you can see like old people or people in age with this amazement. Like yeah. you can see people, kids again, and that's amazing. There, there is this amazing, and and often people when they are too, they start to laugh, mm. and movements, and uh, there are different types of emissions. You can see that I have a video where um, we really focus on the people's reaction, and the thing is. It is constant. Like the, uh, all over the world, there people react in the same way, and it's it's beautiful. Mm. With the distance version, I could see that also in the eyes of people, yeah. and that was that was great mm. because it means that I do my work properly. Well, so. it is. It's it's a kind of tribute to the way that you've managed to turn these inanimate objects into something that has that effect on on people. It's kind of amazing. I mean, even for me, uh, sitting down and seeing it, it, there's something sort of very visceral about these mechanical beings all performing in this way that does give you this sort of sense of delight that it's actually possible for robots to do that. This is not something that people encounter when they think about robotics. Kind of I play also with that, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a job. It's what I want to do as an artist. <laughs> it's totally my intention to do that, so it's not... It's, it's it's the same thing. It's stage. It's done on purpose. Thank you, Blanca, for your question. <laughs> That's a great question. Thanks, Blanca. I like this kind of like send in your question style. Yeah. Because I, I really want to read out Simon's question. I might pass over the first one for now, but I really just want to read out this entire thing he's typed out because it's just very Simon. Okay. At a dinner we had at the Palais de Tokyo once, I sensed it's that you were beginning bag, to... Simon. Hello to Tokyo. That's how he has to start the question. somewhere more expensive. I said, where is that? Is that in Tokyo? No, it's in Paris. Okay. It's an art gallery in Paris. Okay, I have no idea. Okay. I sense that you were beginning to think of taking your work in a direction where people think of the robots as being creative themselves. Does this interest you? And do you think people would project creativity onto your robots? If not, what would need to change? Previously, the podcast. So, thank you, Simon. It's a very interesting question. So, when people look at the at the work, if people think that and they already think that, I do my job properly as an artist. After about being creative, I don't care, and for me, it's not possible unless you achieve artificial consciousness. So for me, the, the problem doesn't exist. Because in my view, it's not possible to have systems that are creative for the moment. Oh, no, not creative, actually. Yeah, not creative, but being artist. Like uh, kind of authorship? Author, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the authorship is not possible because we don't have artificial consciousness. Mm -hmm. And to be the author, you, have the in, you need to have the intention of creating the work or the, producing the work, and that's not possible. So... I often give the example, a robot would be an artist if in the factory he starts to bang on the car to make a sculpture. That would be a, a robot artist, so we're not there. Um, but, you yeah, know, I mean, personally, I, don't, I do research on the side. Uh, I've been doing research with neural networks and things like that for, I think, about three years now. I haven't mm -hmm. found anything interesting. Uh, to do, but I, I keep trying. No, no, I, I'm looking at, because. So yeah, no, this thing of creativity as an artist, it's not my interest. And research, I'm looking for other things in research. But it's great. The thing that said, 
I find it great that as scientists, people investigate that and the possibility of that, because yeah. like with pure research or with research, during the research, you find other things that are interesting. And, and anyway, the, the pure research and trying to achieve things that are not achievable is great. Even if I don't agree with a lot of things, <laughs> I, I find that the intention of doing that is great. And, and mm. if it's the same thing, if it's done honestly and with rigor. That, mm. I think, yeah, the problem, main problem I have with that is just that the state of things and the state of technology at the moment, it doesn't really seem to make too much sense. Like if you've ever worked with these systems, you just know that it doesn't really make any sense to des describe any creativity to There's them. There's nothing behind the curtain. Yeah. The problem is that there is again this problem of perception and magic. Mm. It's magical, yeah? Artificial intelligence, first the name is crap. Mm. But, uh, and the thing is that what is called artificial intelligence is just another form of computation. I mean, I, personally, I see it like that because it's easier to work with it if you see it like that. As a, mm -hmm. as a, it's just computation. In a few years, it will be seen like that and it will be something else. Um, mm -hmm. Another change of paradigm. And uh, but there is this magic, and people play with that, with artificial intelligence, with a neural net. And it's true that when you experiment with it, you're fooled because it is amazing to see the things learning, and there are a lot of limitations. But yeah, nothing to do with creativity. The exploration of latent space is just, you know, it's exploration of latent space. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. there's no surprises at the problem. Yeah, from Teresa. I think this kind of carries on pretty well. Um, she basically just asked whether or not you think robots can be creative themselves. What do you think is needed to achieve a more active partnership between them and human artists? Which I think that second part of the question is an interesting question. So the, the drawings that my robots uh, produce are considered as artworks. There are some in collections and actually they sell fairly well in the artistic context as artworks and they're sold with the price of artworks. But I am the author of them. But still, because I don't interfere in the process, in the process there is something missing uh, compared to a human-made drawing. Or when I have more interaction, sometimes it loses, well, it loses something and it gains something. After, if you arrive to the collaboration machine-human, uh, it's not really true. I mean, it's not really a collaboration. You use the robot as a tool. I mean, even I've done, a, I haven't published it yet, but I have an experiment where I draw and the robot continues the drawing with shading and things like that. But it's not, it's not collaboration. I mean, uh, you know, it's using, you know. <laughs> it's not it, it seems okay in theatrically it, it seems like, like collaboration but yeah. you know and the drawings are beautiful but actually, I don't know I, I that years that I wanted to do that and I've done it and I find it a bit boring actually <laughs> so, that's really interesting though so do you actually see any point in in that kind of creativity like where you, you this kind of co-creation or exchange between a human artist and a robotic artist in that imagine if it wasn't performance but it was actually there was some kind of creativity behind it do you think that's fruitful or is it just is it, is it not worth pursuing yeah i mean I, I i often hear people talking about augmenting uh, human creativity but it doesn't need to be augmented you know it's not the creativity that needs to be augmented it's a, it's a production mm. the, because having ideas you know it's it, it's not a problem 
It's finding good ideas, which the systems are not capable of selecting. You always have the human editor on all those systems and the implementation, the, the, the production that is important is the way you, you, you make things real. Mm. And uh, yeah, and robots can help to do that as tools, as autonomous tools. They can make the thing be real. But uh, yeah, I mean, this idea of augmenting creativity. But do you think there's the possibility that, for example, the robot does something that you wouldn't have ever thought of? And you think that's a really interesting response. Now, how can I, you know, how can I take that on board and use that or do something with it? You think there's that kind of opportunity? It's it might be randomness, yeah, yeah, it, it might be serendipitous. I mean, yeah, 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 definitely. And I'm I'm trying. I'm looking. Uh, so at, at the moment, the research I'm doing with uh, with machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence is to try to look at something which is totally foreign or alien to human. Uh, History or things. And the idea is for the system to find a language, a graphic language, totally remote from human language. But because it's done with a system with a certain logic, we would be able to perceive the aesthetic of the system. And I think also the movement. But I haven't managed to do it. And then to create this shock. Uh, because one of the problems with using GANs and all that is that you can't have the shock of the new. Yeah. You can't have the freshness because it's things that exist. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in between those things that exist. So you can't get this surprise. Yeah, you get the surprise because you get some nasty combination or something like that. But it's not, it's not shocking. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's not, it doesn't have this visual shock that Basquiat or Picasso or Bacon have. No. And that's really what I'm looking for. Most of the time, uh, it's just like bad versions of the original. Just, yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, it, some people are, are doing very good work with guns. You know, people who really go in deep into it and really explore the things that it is a medium like another. But it's so easy. Like the problem is that it's so easy. Uh, machine learning is so easy as a user, uh, not the development of, of new models. But as a user, it's far easier than using processing or doing uh, programming, which was the point of machine learning is to not have to program and it works very well so the skills you need to use uh, machine learning are far lower so a lot of people can produce uh, what uh, what simon called tone called uh, casual uh, casual creators casual, uh, casual creators which is fine but we, we have to be aware of what it is i concur yeah. with 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 them I yeah think, um, it's, it's refreshing it's good to hear these opinions these hot takes that we've been happy we've also been on the same if you listen back to our gan yeah, art seen, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty negative about it but i guess it also yeah. is that kind of genericism that if you just if you're just taking software that was written by someone else and downloading it and running it and you're not doing anything else but that it's hmm. where's your contribution there's no there's very little contribution. It doesn't have to be a technical contribution, but there has to be a creative contribution. Yeah, yeah. That's an, I didn't mention that. So I do all the programming and things like that. So the, the level of technicity of my work is far lower than what it could be if I was using developers. But it enables me to have something more precise. And really what I want, it's why the installation work where you say that, you know, the, all those things that, work scenographically or in the expression it's because i'm totally inside the thing like if i was a painter i have the same level of control on on, on the output so it really enables me to do surprise and yeah it's true that there, there was the same limitation when people were using flash or processing or guns is that the tools are so easy to produce something that they totally mark the output 
mm -hmm. uh, the output is obviously made with this system. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and people don't like it when I, pro <laughs> when I compare GANs and Flash, but <laughs> it, it's the same thing. Yeah. Or I mean, processing now, people have this distance. Now, people do very individual things uh, with processing, which was not the case at the beginning. Now, it's, it's mature enough to... Been around for 20 years around, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Early 2000s, I think, was when it first came out, maybe a bit before. So, I agree. I think that's, that's the thing that gives your work its uniqueness is the fact that, you know, you don't have this army of programmers just implementing a whole lot of really you know, sophisticated machine learning algorithms, for example, it is uniquely part of the artistic process that you're actually, you know, that you're, you're programming all those servos and everything directly. And that's really what makes it so unique. But it's time consuming and sometimes it's so stressful. Well, that's the price you pay for uniqueness, isn't it? Well, I, mean, I just have one last question because I think that, the, I mean, we kind of touched on this, maybe it's dragging it a little bit too much, but John had this question. So what do you think of, the current kind of fascination with the whole GAN AI art or just, I mean, it's been like the last two years. It's gotten a lot of attention and you have been doing this for over what, over 10 years. So how, why do you think it's so interesting to people? And also where, cause I mean, we're all very kind of skeptical of the whole movement, but where do you think it's going? Do you feel like it's going in a good direction? You know, it's, it needs a bit of time. Uh, it's good because they get the attention. Some of them must be able to make a living out of their art, which is which is great. I'm going to be uh, tough, but some of them are artists, some are not. Uh, artists can do good things with a pencil or with a thing. doesn't matter. If you're an artist, you can do something good with whatever you have. So, And after, it gets a lot of attention. And even, does it really get that much attention? It's because we are in the field that we think that it takes some attention. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, it has, there's been some articles in uh, art, uh, in different good art. Uh, it's not that, I mean, if you ask people in the street, they're mm. not all, yeah. know, they've never heard of it. The attention is, all, you know, there are more important things than that. That perfectly encapsulates how that answer like is exactly how I feel about it. <laughs> just like the guy, like, yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm just no, it's great for the people who get the attention. I got a lot of attention at the beginning when I made my yeah. career based on the, I mean, it helped a lot to get this attention. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I yeah. mean, just like that, they, they should use it and make the best out of it and build their career, their career on it. And it's the mm. best I wish. Okay, Patrick, awesome. thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's been a really fantastic conversation. And please, everyone, check out Patrick's work. We'll put a link to his website. And if you get the opportunity to see it in person or even virtually, please don't miss the opportunity because I'm sure you'll really enjoy it. Thank you so much for talking to us. Well, thank you, John, and thank you, Nina. It was a great pleasure. Yeah. It was very interesting. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick.